What a show we have this post-Masters Monday. John Rahm seeing green a day later. Rahm becoming the fourth Spaniard to slip on the green jacket. We're going to have a sit-down interview with the Masters champ and newly minted world number one coming up. From one Arizona State Sun Devil to another, Phil Mickelson with the round of the day on Sunday. Some more Mickelson magic at 52 as the Masters runner-up. I can't believe I'm saying this, but can Lefty win another major in his 50s? You're going to be surprised by the answer when we debate. Plus, Sam Bennett, the story of the first two days at Augusta, the reigning U.S. Amateur champ with a week he'll never forget taking low-am honors. We're going to have more on the Texas A&M senior when Golf Today starts right now. Golf Today. The final margin made it look like a blowout. John Rahm, though, was in total command of his game and the field. Those last nine holes at Augusta on Sunday, winning the Masters by four over Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka. That's his 11th career PGA Tour victory and second major to go at the 2021 U.S. Open. He becomes the 18th player to win both the Masters and the U.S. Open. So with that, hello and welcome inside our Golf Channel studios. This is a two-hour edition of Golf Today. I'm George Savarikas, pleased to be sitting alongside Whit Watson. The 87th edition of the Masters, a memorable one for a lot of reasons, Whit. We have to smile because it over, not cry because of what happened and the fact that the Masters is now done. And we have to wait 364 more days until the 88th edition comes to a close next year. What's your biggest takeaway from what we saw? Well, that John Rahm answered the bell, and I give a lot of credit to Rahm as well as to Brooks Kepka. They both shot 65 in the opening round, and how often have we seen a first-round leader at the Masters fade on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday? But there they were in the same group, in the final group together on Sunday. Kepka didn't have his best stuff, obviously disappointed. Rahm just didn't blink. He, he answered the call, and this was, I know, a major championship. He said so, and you'll hear it. That was very personal to him because of the history with Spanish players winning green jackets. And to face down all of that history and still execute, you have to give the man a lot of credit. Yeah, we're going to get into that throughout the show here on Golf Today. What stood out to me and is what makes the major so special, it is a reunion for the golf world. You have everyone come together, something that we haven't seen with the, the fracture of the golf world the last six months. The health of the PGA Tour, they seem to be in a great spot. The product's been phenomenal. The West Coast Swing and all these uh, designated events have, have led to incredible finishes, champions, etc. But when you add in the extra mix and the extra storylines of a Brooks Kepka, a Phil Mickelson, a Patrick Reed, golf needs villains. They need uh, other storylines to also be included to what makes the majors so special is that's because you have all these people come together and we know how meaningful these tournaments are for a lot of guys that's what they measure a career on and that's what they want to win and those three players you just mentioned who play for a rival tour all finished in the top five at the masters this mm -hmm. week obviously there is some muscle memory involved with Mickelson Reed as former champions but it was nice to see the best players in the world competing on the same stage. And the Masters every year, as you know, is like a, a golf reunion. It's yep. essentially homecoming 
uh, for the profession and for the business of golf. And to see all of those players on the same stage and competing at their best. I mean, Kepka didn't have a great Sunday, but he was in the final group on Sunday at the Masters, having not played much golf in 2023. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to top that one until next year's. Yeah, let's welcome, uh, welcome in and welcome home to golf today, the third member of our team, Paige McKenzie. Your opening thought, Paige. Uh, I mean, it was a great Sunday, but for me, I think I was more reflective on the fact that this tournament, it's not about, you know, etching your name in a trophy, and then eventually you'll be forgotten about as a past champion. This event celebrates its champions more than any other, and I felt like it seemed appropriate that you would have somebody in your champion with John Rahm that knows and reflects on that, knows the kind of history he's making as he's doing it. Sometimes ignorance is bliss, and you see that happen where players walk down the 18th and they don't fully appreciate what they've done until days or weeks or months, maybe even years later. John Rahm, you had a sense that you knew that he knew how significant it was. So it's pretty interesting and special for me to witness that, uh, to really appreciate the history and legacy that goes with what Masters champion means for the rest of every champion's life. Yeah, that's the fabric of the tournament, the fabric of mm. the garment that John Rahm gets for winning the Masters <laughs> with the green jacket. As we dig into the numbers for the 28-year-old Rahm, sharing a smile with Scotty Scheffler as he got the green jacket after winning the 87th edition with those 11 PGA Tour wins. Rahm now tied for 93rd on the all-time wins list. Six of his 11 career PGA Tour victories, including both majors, were come from behind by a margin of at least two strokes going into the final round and the four-shot victory on Sunday, largest margin in a major since Dustin Johnson won the Masters November 2020. The champions representing the country of Spain. Witt did a little foreshadowing there as Rom the fourth, and he won on what would have been Seve Ballesteros' 66th birthday. Sergio Garcia won back in 2017. Jose Maria Olathabal, Mr. 90s, winning in 94 and 1999, and Seve won in 80 and 83, fitting that 40 years after Seve's second green jacket, John Rahm wins for the first time. Here's Big Spain on what the Masters victory means to him. Hard to put it into words. Uh, Obviously, we all dream of things like this as players, and you try to visualize what it's going to be like and, and what it's going to feel like. And uh, when I hit that third shot on the green, and I could tell it was, it was close by the crowd's reaction, uh, just the wave of emotion of so many things just overtook me. Uh, never thought I was going to cry about winning a golf tournament, but I got very close on, on that 18th hole. Um, and a lot of it because of, of what it means to me and, and to Spanish golf, right? It's, it's Spain's 10th major for a player to win the Masters, fourth. And uh, my second win, right, my second major win, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, and to play the way I did today on, on Sunday, uh, only one bogey, you know, on difficult conditions and coming in with a margin, oh, hard to explain, you know, a lot, a lot of pride. And I'm really proud of myself from what I did. Um, and... Still really hasn't synced in yet. I'm looking at this course and I'm still thinking I have a couple more holes left to, to win. And uh, can't really say anything else. You know, this one was for Seve. I know he, he was up there helping and help he did. Just a few minutes ago, Jose Maria talked about how proud he was of how calm, cool, and collected you seemed out there today. How calm, cool, and collected were you? Uh, 
what is going on on the outside is not always a reflection of the inside. Uh, I was calm. Uh, I never got frustrated. I never really got felt like anything was out of control. But obviously, you're nervous, right? There's tension out there. Um, that that bogey on nine, timing-wise, was bad because Jordan and Phil came in making birdies, right? So what looked like a two, possibly more shot lead. Uh, narrowed down very, very quickly with the chance of making, then making making a birdie on 18, right? So um, made those 10, 11, 12 holes harder. Uh, again, I might have looked calm, but I was definitely definitely nervous out there. And uh, I'm glad that's the way it looked. I mean, that's what you strive for, right? You don't want to panic, and I never panicked. I felt comfortable with my game, and I had a plan to execute, and that's all I can do. Not a lot of people want to describe you as a fighter. Where does that come from? <clears throat> I don't know. Um, maybe it's a little bit related to determination. Um, you know, I'm, I'm out there when I'm out there. I have a job to do, and is to hopefully be here answering to this question, right? So uh, I put in. We all. I mean, I know we all do, but we put in a lot of effort to try to beat the best guys in the world. So um, maybe that level of intensity and that determination is where you see, and that's why you're. I'm characterized as a fighter. I'm also never going to give up, no matter what, right? If I can, even if I shoot myself out of contention, whatever, and I can finish strong to give myself a possibility to finish fourth, it's always going to be better than anything, right? So um, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't try my hardest in every shot. So that's maybe why where it comes from. Look at the latest official world golf ranking and we had talked about how the big three had separated themselves from world number four Patrick Cantley. Now it's turning into the big two. John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler with a nearly two point margin before it drops off to Rory McIlroy at number three. Rahm four wins so far this season returning once again to number one in the world golf ranking. So we now turn the focus to John Rahm and Paige. I mean it was a commanding performance and we look at all the analytics with John Rahm and all the hype that he's going to mature into this type of player. It seems like it's finally happening now. It is. Uh, and I actually I feel like I could answer the question for him about where did the fighter come from? It's because when he when something poor or bad happens whether a bad shot or mistake, he doesn't shrink away from it. He grows in intensity with it. And you saw that from the beginning of the week when he, he four-putted the first hole and immediately bounces back with birdie birdie, finishes, you know, bogey-free nine under on his remaining 17 holes to shoot 65. That, to me, is what a fighter does, is they don't shrink away, they don't shrivel, they don't spiral when things go bad. And, and you think about the beginning of this week and how different it could have been if he didn't know how to do that in those moments. Uh, you can feel humiliation. It doesn't even have to be anything more than you feel a sense of embarrassment, humiliation, which then creeps into doubt, and then it can change the, everything the rest of the round. And I think John Rahm has time and time again proven that when he does hit a wall or when something bad happens, that he then rises to the le a different level uh, in response to that. He has to be the only player who started the week with a four-putt, hit a provisional <laughs> Right. on the, the last <laughs> hole on Sunday and what you tally it up and it, it's a four shot victory. It was remarkable the way that he started and a point that Paige just made and you just made as well. 
about the big three or the big two. Those three players, Rom, McElroy, and Scheffler, were really separated from the field prior to the event by the media, by the odds makers. And they had to know that. You try not to read the newspaper. You try not to uh, stay on social media heading into the event. But they had to know that they had been considered favorites. Scheffler shot 68 in the opening round, made things interesting. 75 in the second round was never really in contention, although he did finish well. He was never actually in, in play. And McElroy didn't make the cut. So to be separated like that and to still execute it, mm -hmm. I think you have to give Rahm a lot of credit. That he, he knew the expectations were high. He knew the history, as Paige alluded to, and still executed. And that, I think, makes it uh, such a remarkable major championship victory. I thought his second nine on Sunday was Tiger-esque. He had eight out of nine greens coming in. You saw in 12, he hits his tee shot, middle of the green. Was nowhere near that pin. 35 feet away, two putts for par. 11, the other hole where you can draw some trouble in the play, middle of the green, 40 feet, two putt for par. He was just peppering greens down the stretch, did exactly what you have to do with a, a Sunday 70 to go on to win by four and not only have the lead, but then to extend it with that final margin. And what I love about John Rahm, and prior to Golf Channel, I was a sports anchor in, in Tucson, Arizona. I remember... He, talking with Rick LaRose, who was the Arizona men's golf coach way back 10, 11 years ago. And you, you were hearing the hype then in 2011, 2012, about the Spanish guy at Arizona State, John Rahm, and what type of phenom he could grow into. And I remember John at a team banquet was talking about career goals. And he said, I want to win 19 majors. And I didn't realize the blowback that he would get in golf circles because it's like right. saying, I want to be better than, than Michael Jordan. It's like you, you don't want to verbalize that out loud because then your whole career is always measured against that going forward. And it's almost an impossible and unattainable height to ever ascend to. But what I love is that that's what motivates him internally is to be the best in the game and to dominate. And I think we saw that on Sunday, and he's in the start of a run now. He already has four wins in a major. And, Wood, if you look dating back to 2010, players in the PGA Tour who have won four times or more in a season, every single guy has won PGA Tour Player of the Year. Scotty Scheffler last year at this time. Four wins in the Masters, didn't win again. PGA Tour Player of the Year. The only exception, Jason Day, just bad timing. He had five wins in a major, same year that Jordan Spieth had five and two. So, John Rahm has already pretty much locked up PGA Tour Player of the Year. This is his career year, and now he can make it a season for the ages if he can add a second major this season, if he can rip off five or six wins, which in the, like, pseudo-modern era since 2010, we haven't seen anyone win more than five times. Justin Thomas has done it, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, Tiger Woods in 2013. So I think Rom's game, where he can go going forward, it, it seems like he's going to have a year that really starts to separate him from potentially even Scotty Scheffler, but who knows? Scheffler could win his very next start out. But I just think the, the hype around John Rahm is now matching with what we're seeing in the golf course. And I do think long term, with the next, say, three to five years, he could go on a sustained run where he wins three, four, maybe five majors, where in, say, five years from now, we're starting to talk to, is he better than Rory McIlroy? Is he potentially going to be the best European ever? This could just be the start of that arc. Yeah, Paige, uh, to bring you back in, I know we talked uh, when we met before the show about the concept of a window, and George just alluded to it. This really is still the opening stage of Rahm's window. He's 28 years old. What do you think the ceiling could be? 
I, I expect good things. He was my guy this year, this season, uh, not to claim credit because I'm sure there's a million times I got it wrong. Uh, but, but the reason why I like John Rahm and the reason why I was especially impressed on Sunday is Whit, you alluded to the amount of pressure that he was dealing with. Typically what happens with pressure is tension. And what happens with tension, it becomes very difficult to be creative because you become controlling. With tension, you immediately seek control. And then you try to just hit it clinically how you want to hit it. Sometimes that does not include sweeping fades or sweeping draws. And what I saw from John Rahm was that level of control and creativity without having what felt like a controlling sense about his game. You go back to the tee on eight. It was a gorgeous, beautiful, driving fade. Go to the, the drive on 13 and that in, enormous draw around the corner. That kind of shot shape and creativity and freedom to be able to swing and allow yourself to move the ball and not just try to control it, but to be able to be flexible enough to move it, I think speaks to what makes a great champion come those pressure moments. Why he was able to be successful in those pressure moments is he had the relaxed enough focus to play the game and not try to control the game. And that, that to me, when you have that mastery this early in his career, yeah, certainly. I think that there is uh, potential majors down the road for John Rahm. He's comfortable in his own skin in that moment, and he's become a killer now when he sniffs even a semblance of having the lead in big moments. And we see him close out big tournaments. The final leaderboard from the 87th edition of the Masters, I mentioned the margin was four. Some other storylines we're definitely diving into with Bill Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, the two live guys, T2, that it was Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, another live standout, P. Reed, T4 with Russell Henley. Some of the other names on that first page of the leaderboard, Victor Hovland fading a bit on Sunday with a 74. Sahith Tagala with a nice final round getting inside the top 10, a 5 under 67. Some news on Will Zalatoris, who WD'd ahead of the first round of the Masters last Thursday with a nagging back injury. The 26-year-old announcing today he's going to miss the rest of the season. He had back surgery. He had missed the last four months of 2022 after suffering two herniated discs in his back. He said, after careful consideration and seeking multiple medical opinions, I underwent a successful microdisectomy on Saturday. As much as I hate not being able to play the rest of this season, I am happy that I am already seeing the benefits of the procedure. Playing and living in pain is not fun. I look forward to making a full recovery, seeing everyone in the fall. Thank you to Dr. Michael Duffy, Dr. Tom Kelton, and their respective teams for getting me fixed. And, of course, thank you to everyone for the support and the messages. I look forward to getting it back to 100%. In this case, we bring in our medical correspondent, Paige, who actually has <laughs> had this procedure before. Walk sure. us through your experience. Uh, for me, I had a 12-millimeter uh, herniation between L4 L5. I had my microdiscectomy, and it was an outpatient procedure. I walked to my car after the surgery, uh, and it was the first time in months that I'd felt my right foot. And that was kind of what struck me is, is listening or hearing, reading, what Will Zalatoris had to say is that he was already feeling and seeking, seeing the benefits of the procedure uh, without knowing, you, you likely think there may have been some nerve issues going on, and that may be resolved immediately with the surgery, which, good for him. And, and for me, my recovery, I ended up having stem cells reinjected into my disc, so my recovery was quite a bit longer. It was expected to be six months. It was about a year. 
Uh, some people have the microdiscectomy and back living their lives within six weeks. So it, as far as recovery goes, it could be, uh, there's a wide range of what that timeline could look like, but um, it, it's unfortunate that it got to the point where it, though his life, his quality of life or quality of golf needed to have the surgery done, but the prognosis is typically good for those that go in with a microdiscectomy. Paige, at 26, you, you hear that surgery, though, and the, mm. the initial reaction anyone is, oh, like, you, you don't want to hear yeah. a, someone at that youngest stage of their career have to deal with that type of surgery. We're going to take a look at some of the other notable players who have undergone this and then would love to get your forecast of what we could potentially expect out of Zalatoris going forward. Jamie Lovemark was just 22 when he had this in August 2011. Tiger Woods, remember when he had to miss the 2014 Masters and was the reigning PGA Tour Player of the Year after what he did in 2013. He had that surgery at 38. Stuart Appleby a year later. Graham Dillette, another young guy, was just 28 when he had it in July 2018. Kevin Chappell, after winning Valero Texas Open, it was just a year later, a couple years later, he has it November 18, and Lonto Griffin at 34 just a year ago. So is there any continuity on how these guys, Paige, emerge after this surgery, or is it all just subjective on how their body reacts to it? Yeah, I, I think the, the good news going for Will Zalatoris is that he is young enough that he's likely going to have good healing. He's in good shape as a professional athlete and that always works in the favor of the athlete trying to come back the other thing that i would point to is that when this injury came about he came he talked in january about how much he had learned about his body he started to understand range of motion he understand his golf swing more so the learning process has already been implemented the damage had already been done years of playing professional golf or years of playing golf in general can do this to a body. That's why you see such a, a long list of professional golfers that have had this surgery done. But the, the biggest key is learning from that and figuring out a best way to move forward and protect your body. Uh, golf is not the easiest on your back, but there are ways that you can best maintain it. I originally injured mine and had a herniation in 19 years old. It wasn't until 11 years later that I ultimately needed to have surgery. So there's certain ways that you can and learn how to maintain your body throughout to have a long career with back issues and with previous back issues. So the good news is that he's already, it sounds like, learned quite a bit about his own biomechanics so that he can implement that as he moves forward and will hopefully have a healthy back post-surgery. All right, we are uh, just getting started on this Monday Postmasters. We're going to continue to react to John Rahm's second career major victory. Rahm tying a record among Spaniards. What is it? You're going to find out after this break on Golf Today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Back in 2021 at Torrey Pines, John Rahm finished with two birdies, on his final two holes to win his first major championship, the U.S. Open beat Louis Ustazen by one shot and would later dedicate that win to the late Spanish golfer Seve Ballesteros. 
And he would say the same thing at Augusta yesterday, said this one is for SETI, adding a green jacket. Began the day four shots behind Brooks Kepka. Rom, the fourth player from Spain to win the Masters and the first golfer from Europe to win the Masters and the U.S. Open. Internationally, it's not done very often at all. Gary Player and Angel Cabrera, the only non-American players prior to Rom to win the Masters and the U.S. Open. And Rom, when he was asked about this feat in Augusta yesterday, was learning about it for the first time. You're the first European player ever to win a Masters in a U.S. Open. So can you give huh? us a sense, Masters in a U.S. Open, no other European player has, has, has done that. So oh. can you just share, finding that out, just some perspective on that accomplishment? I find it hard to believe that I'm the first one. You know, there's, if there's anything better than, than accomplishing something like this is making history. So the fact that you told me that to be the first ever to do, first European ever to do that, oh, hard to explain. Out of all the accomplishments and the many, many great players that have come before me, to be the first to do something like that, it's, it's a very humbling feeling. Uh, thank you, by the way, because I don't know how I would have found out. Uh, I still can't believe I'm the first. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It, it is. It is a pretty good duo of, of majors. The you know, US Open is about as hard a test that you're ever gonna find. And you know, I was starting to think I was never gonna win a major again unless it was a Tory Pines. So to <laughs> to come somewhere that it's not like it was that long ago, but to come somewhere where I've been comfortable, you know, I kept seeing the stats of lowest score to part of the last starts and you know how great I've done here in the past, but never really gave myself a chance to win and all I asked for was a chance and they got it, so to get that done is, I, I can't hope to feel anything but thankful. John, how exciting is it to be halfway towards the Grand Slam and, and be in a race now with Jordan Spieth and, and Rory and perhaps even Phil? <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are three of them. Uh, I mean, it would be amazing. It would be great. It's um, not many people have been able to do it. And to be able to finish it out and close out and do a Grand Slam would be absolutely amazing. I don't know how else to say. Uh, I would like to say that I entered the race when I won the U.S. Open, but of course it was so far away you don't want to think about it, right? But uh, as players, it's on your mind, right? It's on your mind. It's it's something that it would be amazing, but it's it's a long road ahead to be able to accomplish that. Something that. Two players like Phil and Arnie weren't able to do. You know, it speaks a lot. Let's spin it forward, take a look at the odds for the upcoming three majors. These provided by our friends at BetMGM and John Rahm, not surprisingly, a favorite in all of these. What, what, what do you think of the 8-1 to one they're clocking him in at? Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at his stats at PGATour.com as we watch this. He's first in strokes gain total. He's first in eagles per round, first in birdie average, first in scoring average. On the PGA Tour right now, he's playing okay. Yeah. And I don't think these odds are that far off, and I think they're going to change and might improve based on what happens between now and the PGA Championship. All right, on the other side of the break, we're going to do a deep dive on two lib golfers who finished the week in a tie for second. We're talking Phil and Brooks. Can Lefty win another major? Rex Hoggard thinks no. 
What do we think? When will Brooks break his major drought? More to come after the break. I think Phil and Ponce de Leon both found the Fountain of Youth together last week. Phil, with a performance that we're going to remember for quite some time on Sunday. That final round, 65, the low round of the day. Mickelson finishing the week at Augusta. T2, a runner-up and a second nine, five under, 31 to the house with birdies on 15, 17, and 18. Look at the numbers. The 65 ties his lowest round at the Masters, and it also marks the lowest round at the Masters by a player 50 or older. It's 31 on the second nine. Birdies on five of the final seven holes. Same as what he did when he won the Masters for the first time back in 2004. And at age 52, the oldest top five finisher in Masters history. Mickelson on the final round of the week that was at Augusta. It was evident to me that I was hitting a lot of good shots, that I was playing well, I wasn't getting the score out of it. Today was a great day for me to... The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Stay present and uh, just keep hitting good <laughs> shots. Even after I, I might have uh, had a, a mess up here or there, I was able to stay present, keep hitting good shots, and, and I'm hopeful that this kind of catapults me into playing the rest of the year the way I believe I'm playing. I really worked hard in the offseason to get ready. I've been shooting some really low scores at home, and uh, today I kind of let it happen rather than trying to force it, and I had a really good day and, and, uh, and made some noise. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough, but it was really a lot of fun for me to, to play at this level again, and it's encouraging for me uh, going forward the rest of the year. Phil, what did you learn about yourself this week and, and just being back at Augusta National, a place that – is special to you. How much did that help you get back and groove? I think it's uh, not so much what I learned, but I, I certainly have a lot of gratitude to be able to be here and be a part of this tournament, play well, play good golf, and try to take advantage of a unique opportunity that I have, which is to play golf at a very high level at a later stage in life, given that I haven't had any uh, physical injuries, that I'm able to swing the club the way I want to, and then uh, with a little bit of work and dedication to compete against some of the best players in the world, um, in some of the biggest stages, and, and that's really what's driving me, and uh, today was a, a very encouraging day. But this, the most runner-up finishes in major championship history, that's what people forget with Jack Nicklaus, won 18 majors, had 19 runner-up finishes, which to me is just as incredible to have won or been runner-up in 37 majors, ridiculous. Mickelson now, six majors, 12 career runner-ups, and you see Arnold Palmer, who has seven major victories and 10 runners-up in major championship history. So the conversation now, focusing on lefty. Uh, Paige, let's start with you. Simple question, how? <laughs> Good question. That is, that is a simple but very difficult question to answer because no form coming into this week. And I've always liked to say you really never know what you're going to get with Phil Mickelson. However, the results have been pretty consistent recently and it's been almost zero form coming into this last week and really when you listen to him talk too the tone changes day to day maybe he doesn't even know what was coming 
wouldn't be here if I didn't feel that way. It's also, I got to be realistic. I haven't scored the way I want to, but I do see a lot of positive signs and um, I'm going to try to just be patient, whether it's this week or soon, because uh, things are about to click. I'm going to go on a tear pretty soon. Like you wouldn't think it, you look at the scores, but I, I've been playing exactly how I played yesterday, hitting the ball great, turning 65, 66s into 71s. And um, I'm ready to go on a tear. I mean, I don't know. Ask him on Tuesday. He's like, I got to be patient. I may or may not have any results. You ask him a couple days later, and he's ready to take on the rest of the world all season long. So I don't know what you're going to get with Phil, but at the same time, when you practically look at what happened, uh, he rose to the occasion at a golf course that he knows very well, uh, performed beautifully. It was really fun to watch uh, Phil Mickelson actually have a great day uh, on a big stage, in a big moment, play under the biggest pressure. Uh, it was really fun to watch. With lightning in a bottle, or you think that Phil can have another performance like this in the majors this year or going forward? I don't know about other majors. I think that Paige is exactly right. There's something about Augusta National that energizes him. And, and these players that were not playing on the PGA Tour, who were playing on Live, the ones that finished high, there were three in the top five, are players that had very good memories of this place. And I think it was mostly muscle memory for a guy like Mickelson. Uh, when we say he wasn't showing any form, I mean zero. He hasn't recorded a single point in the team format on the Live Series in three events this year. He's 42nd out of 49 individual players in their standing. So only he saw this coming, let's put it that way. And going to a U.S. Open, going to a PGA Championship or an Open, is it possible? Before this week, we would have said this wasn't possible. So I guess anything is possible, but I think – this had something to do with Augusta National specifically. That's like the Kevin Garnett. Anything is possible. <laughs> right. So if you look back to 2020 <laughs> with Phil Mickelson and top tens that he's recorded, I was looking, all right, PGA Tour majors, any tour worldwide, what Mickelson has done. He had three top three finishes back in 2020. It was the Saudi International and his last stint on the PGA Tour, the Pebble Beach WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. The last three years in 38 worldwide events, I'm saying any tour, including his 10 starts on live. He won the PGA Championship in 2021. Goes more than a year without a top 10 anywhere. Is T8 at Live Golf Chicago last September. And then out of nowhere, he's T2 at the Masters Tournament. What I loved about this final group in the final round was what Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth did together. Those two guys had a combined 13 under. Mickelson with a 65, clipping Spieth by one. Very reminiscent of a year ago with Colin Morikawa. He had a final round 67. Roy McIlroy had the low round of the day with that 8-under 64. Rory was more than 10 shots back, wound up T2. Phil Mickelson, more than 10 shots back, winds up finishing T2. It seemed like Mickelson isn't the exuberant Phil, the wheeler and dealer, the guy who would take on big risks, the, the fan favorite, the guy that, for my money, was the most entertaining watch in professional golf since he burst on the scene in the early 90s up until recently. Like, we just haven't seen a lot of Phil Mickelson in contention, but it seemed like by Sunday, partially drafting off of Rory, the fans were starting to get into it a little more with Phil. And then, like you said, that fist pump when he made that putt to close it out and birdie the last and have the low round of the day, it was a flash of, like, oh, Phil still got it. Yeah. Like, he, he still can dial it in. He still has the emotion, the energy. He's just not the trash talker we're used to seeing, but, like, 
the magic can still be there with Phil. And another player who's been playing mostly on the Live Tour, exclusively on the Live Tour, who had a very good weekend was Brooks Kepka. Despite a scruffy round on Sunday, he did rise to 39th in the world rankings after tying for second in the Masters. His fourth runner-up in a major, his 13th top five. Of course, all four of his major victories coming between 2017 and 2019. So here is what Kepka did over the week. 65 in round one got everybody's attention. 67 in round two, everybody fighting weather and delays, etc. on Saturday as round three spilled over into Sunday morning. And the final round just didn't have it by his own admission. 75, Kepka though with a tie for second. Brooks, you've finished second before in majors that you've been near the top. Is it hard to view them as a positive when it comes after a day like today? Um, probably not Not today, probably not for the next few days, but eventually it will be a positive. Um, I'd say probably give it, give it a week and I'll start to see some positives out of it and carry this over the PGA, US Open and the in the open, um, but right now it's kind of tough to see if I'm honest, and probably for the next few hours and in the next few days. Last question, Evan. Uh, just along those lines, Brooks, um, what, what positives could you take out of it um, going into the next three majors? It, it, do you feel like you're back now that you're healthy, you, you can win majors again? Yeah, I mean, I think I proved it this week, no? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I agree. I, I mean, I've known this. I've known this for a while, but I guess um, it was just about going out and doing it, and what well, led for led for three rounds, and just just didn't do it on the last day. That's it. Plain and simple. We knew the numbers coming into the week. 18 live golfers were in the field of 88 to begin play at the 87th edition of the Masters. 12 made the cut. There were three among the top five. Mickelson, Kepka, Reed, like we've mentioned. Here's where the other nine finished for those who did make the cut and play into the weekend. The overall body of work, of course, getting a lot of the headlines with the runner-up finishes by Mickelson and Kepka. Kepka on the overall performance from his peers on the Live Golf Tour. Probably won't like the, the Live questions, but with you at the top, near the top, and, and Phil up there, and, and Patrick near the top 10, I mean, what do you guys think you proved this week about the quality? of play on that circuit? Uh, nobody, I mean, we're still the same people. So, I mean, I know if I'm healthy, I know I can compete. I don't think any of the guys that play this event thought otherwise either. Um, when Phil plays good, they know he's going to compete. B. Reed, same thing. Um, I think that's just manufactured by the media that we can't compete anymore. We were washed up. Any other questions, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, Brooks, following up on what you just said, you played well, Phil played well. <laughs> From a fan's perspective, what, what do you hope this tournament and this showing does for the sport? Well, I think it's the best tournament in the world. Um, and I think everybody put on a pretty good display. Um, you know, Phil, what do you shoot today? Seven under? That's pretty impressive. Um, speed six. P. Reed four, Cameron Young four. I think me and Vic were the only ones to shoot over par. But uh, I mean, the way John played today was pretty impressive. And I think 
I don't know. The game, the game is just very. It, it's so good right now. Everybody, it's amazing uh, to see all these guys compete when they're at their best. They're all tough to beat. So it seemed like when we resumed play and there were 30 holes left, Kepka with that four-shot lead over John Rahm, that it was going to be big game Brooks marching to his fifth career major. Paige, we haven't seen Brooks lose a 54-hole lead in a major before. So what do you pull from uh, what unfolded? Uh, it felt certain, which nothing at Augusta National is certain. It's certainly it's a golf course that can hobble anybody. It's demanding on every single shot. You cannot take a break. So it, it's understandable that leads can be lost. But it looked certain because Brooks Kepka, when he won the four major championships, he had everything in control. And it looked so solid the first several days. But I, I do think... Over the last couple of years, there have been moments in major championships coming down that Sunday where he's had a chance and not been able to capitalize. If you look at his record and what he's done in the final round, when he's gone on to win, he's played great golf. He hasn't lucked his way into winning the major championships. You go back, let's start at the bottom. Shoot 70, finish tight. This is with, when he's within five shots of the lead in major championships. Shot 70, 67, 69, 66, 70. Then it starts to get a little funky at that 2019 PGA Championship. He did go on to win, but he had a seven-shot lead at one point and ultimately won by one. Hey, a win is a win, but was it reflective of maybe what's to come? You throw in the last four major championships when he's been within five of the lead, 75, 69, 74, 74. Kiowa stands out as well as uh, the 2020 PGA when Colin Morikawa won. And he had made some brash statement that may or may not have been a slight to Dustin Johnson and went on to shoot 74 on that Sunday as well. I'm not saying it has to be a thing, but it might be a thing with Brooks Kepka trying to finish off golf tournaments. And I say that only when you compare it to how he's been able to do it in the past. It felt certain to me, even though, again, it was Augusta National and anything can happen because of the record that he had had. But when I dug a little deeper, it seemed that maybe he hasn't taken advantage of those opportunities on Sunday in the recent years the way that he did in the past. Wait, you think he's losing this aura of invincibility based on what Paige just laid out? I think the aura of invincibility is tough to judge when you're not playing against the best in the world week in and week out. I think that he didn't have a lot of reps coming in. I think that he... To, by his own admission, had been injured. He had not been fully healthy and capable of playing the kind of golf that he knows he can play. And I want to go back to a point he made about the live players. And we talked about this before the show. There were 18 live players in the field at the Masters this week out of a total of 88. Take 30 of those players that have no chance of winning. You've got 18 players out of 58 that might legitimately be able to contend. That's pretty good math. That's about one-third of the field. So we shouldn't be surprised by that regard that there were several who played very – seeing three in the top five, nobody predicted. But all those guys had experience either by winning the Masters or by playing well in major championships. So my point is that I don't think we can draw any conclusions about how well those guys are playing because they're playing in that small bubble without a cut. We don't really know – how good they are until we see them at major championships. And I think Kepka makes a rather compelling case that he does still have it, even if he didn't have it on Sunday. 
let's take a look at the leaderboard and you throw in the world rank. And that's what made it so tough on our end to assess the state of these guys' game. And you look at the OWGR for the Masters finishes. John Rahm, of course, world number one, the live guys, the ranking um, as of Monday following the Masters. So a big jump. I think partially here it's actually uh, the jump that these guys made and not 100% congruent with where their world rank is. But for Brooks Kepka, it was hard to get a gauge on how impressive um, or what state of his game Kepka would be in coming into the Masters. Uh, I, I think if you look at it historically with, with Brooks Kepka and the run he had in 2017 and 19, there have been six golfers since 1990 who won three-plus majors in a span of three-plus years or less. Kepka, the most recent to do it, 2017-19. You had Jordan Spieth, 15-17, winning three. And then Rory won four, 2011-2014. All three of those guys now have major droughts. Yes. You would think maybe Kepka the best – equipped but the longer this happens the more scar tissue you get when you come up short and uh, those memories of your success are drowned out by your more recent failures so you you wonder with Kepka is is it really just now I'm healthy and I played poorly on Sunday or is it uh oh this is starting to be my recent body of work and I don't know why I haven't found it when I've needed it because when I needed it 2017 through 27 to through 2019 it happened every time you have to speak it into existence, right? So if he's going to tell himself, I haven't played well because I'm hurt or I've been hurt, then that provides him a little bit of cushion as to why he wasn't playing well. You have to talk yourself into it. And I, I think he does believe that he can play at this level week in and week out at major championships. He's got opportunities coming up for the rest of this year. And as far as, you know, we talked about it earlier in the show, there's a window. There's a, a window of opportunity to contend in major championships and win major championships. And as well as, for example, Rory McIlroy is playing right now, his window is shrinking just because he's getting old. Time is undefeated. And that window is getting tighter and tighter for him. I think of those three that you mentioned, I think that Kepka has still the largest window based on the fact that he hasn't been healthy and he's got a lot of opportunities coming up. Yeah, you can definitely make that case going forward. I, I think Rory McIlroy may win one this year. We are going back to Hoylake, Royal Liverpool, where he won in 2014. He's not broken. It's just, you know, give him a little bit of time. We're going to step aside on golf today. Steve Sands joining us next as we continue the conversation on Rom, the first European player to win a U.S. Open and now a Masters. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Flashback to the 2022 U.S. Amateur at Ridgewood Country Club. Sam Bennett, Texas A&M beat Ben Carr. What a final it was. One up. Bennett would go on to hold off Carr, who's a fifth-year senior at Georgia Southern. Captured 2022 U.S. Amateur. Then yesterday, final round that was a bit of a struggle for the amateur who was in that final group remember round number three when play resumed with Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler wound up for the week T16 and memories to last a lifetime yeah it was good I'm gonna need some you know some time when I get back to decompress and really you know look back and enjoy it but um you know, I haven't had I haven't had kids yet, so that, that walk up 18 was definitely the coolest experience of my life. Um, you know, it, and the walk up 12. But uh, you know, I didn't play how I wanted to this weekend. But um, you know, this 
this experience playing the weekend at Augusta um, is definitely going to help me, you know, be the golfer I want to be. And to be able to play these the Sunday pins was just incredible. Better than the video game. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like you were emotional coming off the, the green there. What What were you feeling? It was just from growing up as a kid watching this tournament to losing my dad to the struggles I faced and still faced to be able to walk up you know that green on 18 on a Sunday Easter Sunday and just be appreciative of everything I thought I mean if you had told me I was going to be here when I was a kid I would have I would have thought you were crazy so to be able to you know it's cool playing the Masters on Sunday I mean that's what every golfer dreams of and I was just happy to be able to you know do that yeah, not just playing the Masters on Sunday, but taking low am. These are notable reigning U.S. Amateur champions to earn low amateur. Jack Nicklaus did it in 1960, Phil Mickelson in 91, Tiger in 95, Bryson DeChambeau 2016, Victor Hovland four years ago, and now Sam Bennett this year. And how about the welcome home to College Station in Texas? This out on Twitter. And wait, wait for the reveal. Plugging his clubs, his clothes, <laughs> and basically all the Aggie faithful there giving him some love on an amazing week that his friends and family and Sam Bennett will always cherish. He had to come back and play on Monday. He had things to do. 36-hole Aggie Invitational. 36-hole Aggie Invitational right after you're the low amateur at the Masters. It's uh, called being a college kid, Whit. Can you imagine to have that experience at that age? I mean, for the rest of your life, no matter what else happens to you in or out of golf, to have that experience, what a springboard that is for that young man, no matter what he decides to do after this. For sure. And Ryan Lavner had the amazing story on his backstory, and obviously with his dad passing, growing up in Madisonville, Texas, very small town, um, for him to just get on that stage, an amazing achievement. For him to then excel on that stage and be in the final group and open with rounds of 68, 68 the first two days at Augusta. If, if Steve Sands, who was just with us, said it went the winner, John Rahm, then Mickelson, maybe 1A, 1B. The first two days, it was Sam Bennett. was yeah. He was the story at Augusta. So I thought he handled himself extremely well, all things considered, in a long day, trying conditions. I think he's got to take a lot of that to show, okay, I, I won the U.S. Amateur. I then, with the biggest stars in the game, was in the final group, wound up finishing T-16. Like, I can compete with these guys. And uh, breaking news, we are told that he actually did take the day off. They gave him the 36-hole Aggie Invitational, take a day of rest after finishing as the low-am at the Masters. The whole experience about the crow's nest and the clubhouse and, and Magnolia Lane, and when you see it for the first time, particularly as a competitor, and you realize I've earned the chance to get here. I think the first thing, if I was ever in that position, the first thing I would think of if, if I won a U.S. Amateur would be exactly that. Guess what this gets me to? And, and one of those, the biggest arguably being the Masters. And I, I just wonder how, how much that plays in their mind when that final putt drops. Yes, I've just won a USGA championship, mm -hmm. but what comes with it? I wonder how quickly they start to think about that. Well, he certainly made the most of the opportunity. Absolutely. At Augusta. Certainly did. At the age of 47, Tiger made the cut at the Masters but could not finish. He cited plantar fasciitis as the cause. 
No doubt the weather wasn't helping Tiger. He was limping noticeably during the rainstorms on Saturday and withdrew before play resumed on Sunday morning. But not before tying a record for the most consecutive cuts made at the Masters and his the only active streak. Fred Couples did make the cut this year, by the way. Oldest player ever. Ever. But 23 in a row, and that is still active. Begs the question, however, when are we going to see Tiger Woods again? <coughs> Pardon me. This tweet from Tiger Woods. I'm disappointed to have to WD this morning due to re-aggravating my plantar fasciitis. I have to thank you and the Masters who have shown me so much love and support. The golf fans, good luck to the players today. Here's what Tiger Woods has done in majors since his return. Remember last year, finished 47th at the Masters was top 10 after he carted a 71 on Thursday faded throughout the rest of the 86th edition made the cut WD at the PGA Championship missed the cut at the old course last summer and another made cut WD at the Masters you throw in the Genesis this year Tiger made the cut there but finished 45th so he has yet to record a top 40 finish since his return from that horrific accident a couple years ago. Paige, what do you think we're going to see out of Tiger going forward? Uh, well, I hope we see four rounds. You know, I, I think everybody was disappointed, and I, I'm sure the golf course and the weather conditions couldn't have been better, or, I mean, they couldn't have been worse for his situation. And obviously the plantar fasciitis on that soft turf uh, likely caused a lot of problems. But I think the, the key moving forward is just seeing four healthy rounds where we can actually evaluate the golf. Uh, I think so, so much over the last several years isn't about what has he done golf-wise. It's more what are we going to see, how healthy is it. It would be nice to get back to talking swing mechanics and putting stats and things like that with Tiger Woods. That would be my hope in what we may see in the next three major championships. Tiger has stated, I'm here to win. That's usually his mantra each and every time he tees it up. It doesn't seem like he's anywhere near getting to that point where he's in contention, let alone win. How much longer do you think he'll keep putting his body through this just to get game ready when the results are what we've seen? Yeah, he's flat out said that I'm building my schedule around major championships, and this is as much as you're going to see me. What we now are concerned about after what happened at Augusta, is he even healthy enough for that? Is he even healthy enough to do it four times a year? We only know so much about what his body has gone through. There is you know, an extensive list of surgeries, back surgeries, knee surgeries, ACL, MCL, and that's just what we know. And that was before the car accident in 2021. Um, I happen to agree with Paige. I think that uh, making the cut at the Masters, I thought was going to happen. I was asked that on radio shows prior to Augusta. What's the best thing that you can expect from Woods? And I said making the cut, and he did. But now it's a fair question. Will his body even allow him to play as sparingly as he's planning on playing? And, and no one knows the answer to that yet. I think we'll still see Tiger six times this year. The, the four majors yeah. will maybe sprinkle in one other event. Although I could see PGA Championship as one where he says, eh, you know what, I'll set that one out. I sat out the country club last year, the U.S. Open. It may make more sense for me to play LACC in the U.S. Open mm. and then play Royal Liverpool, Hoylake, where he won back in 2006. I think for Tiger, assessing what we're going to see out of him going forward, it's hard to envision a set of circumstances where we have the right course, 
the right weather, and his body responding positively for four days, let alone his game also following suit and consistently being at a high level for four days where he can contend and win. But I think it's the self-belief to yeah. think, if I just have one week, it's worth it. It is worth everything if it just comes together for that one week. What's a bummer for golf fans and for I guarantee you for Tiger is a lot of the injuries he's dealing with are self-inflicted yes. that have gotten him to this point versus Phil Mickelson, who had 52, he's still trying to catch lightning in a bottle, but he's healthy. So he has a week at the Masters where if Tiger was able-bodied, you could easily see Tiger contending and potentially winning into his late 40s and into his 50s. But he's dealing with so many limitations on how much time he can spend practicing, mm. even just walking for four rounds. We saw how – I mean, that was a tough scene. Just him limping, how much pain he was in. It was rough, but you, your hat goes off to him because I think him just gearing up for this gives him his sense of purpose where it's, okay, I, I want to put my body through this because it's also how I get to spend time with my son, Charlie, right. who his goal is to, I would assume, eventually become a professional golfer. He turns 48, Tiger does, in December. He's already made noises about playing on the PGA Guarantee Tour Champions. Guarantee he plays the PGA Tour Champions. Ten years ago, there's no chance he yep. plays the PGA Tour Champions. When he turned 40, would you ever have expected him to even consider playing no. on the Champions Tour? No. And now there's zero doubt he's going to be out there because he wants to be out there with his boys. Yep. And he wants to be out there with his kids. And it's just, you know, like I said, time is undefeated. <laughs> and he wants the juice. Right. And the juice of being in contention and winning. And for pro golfers, there's no greater high that they can chase than the, the juice on Sunday. And, and I mean, we just saw that with, with Phil Mickelson. That's why he's still going after it at 52 years old. All right, a guy who didn't feel the juice, and it was a, a rough one for world number three, Rory McIlroy, again, was trying to get that career grand slam with a Masters victory. Again, McIlroy coming up short and missing the cut thanks to a second round 77. The Masters recap for Rory McIlroy had that uneven start, even par 72, but you thought, okay, well, maybe if he shoots round in the mid-60s, in round number two, then he could play his way back into contention. Goes the complete wrong direction. Third miss cut, and two of those coming in the last three years. It's his second miss cut since August of 2022. Some news today from Roy McElroy, who has decided to withdraw from this week's RBC Heritage. No reason was given for the WD. This will be the second designated event of 2023 that Rory will not tee it up after sitting out the Century Tournament of Champions in Maui back in January.